0: There are several exits on this aircraft in the event of an emergency. At this time, please fasten your seat belts as we are preparing for takeoff. And welcome aboard. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of It's Just a Talk. This is episode 32, 32. Oh my god, this just reminds me that this is how old I am. I've reached that age where my episode number is now my age number, and I feel old. But welcome, y'all. My name is Mauricio. I am your host of It's Just a Talk podcast, your Spanglish, political, queer, Latinets, and shady podcast, where we talk some tea, we talk some truth, but, you know, I always leave time to talk some shit. On this week's episode, I'm going to change it up a little bit. I'm going to tell you what we're going to talk about before we talk about it, okay? So we're definitely going to be talking about Megan and Harry's interview with Oprah. Uh, we're going to be talking about the vaccines and the different vaccines that are currently available. I'll tell you a little bit about what's happening in the country as it pertains to COVID vaccines, you know, bills that are being introduced in the House, uh, you know, George Floyd's murder, being on trial. Then we're going to go around the world and we're going to talk about uh, things that are happening in Mexico, in Miramar, in Iraq, and then we're going to get to my favorite part of the episode where we're going to talk some shit. I'll tell you my bo- final bonus, Wings, and then I'll say bye-bye. <laughs> Today's episode is being brought to you by the tea that Megan and Harry spilled. Look, I was thinking of other things too, you know, this episode could be brought up. But, you know, it happened two days ago, three days ago. I don't know. Look, everybody's still talking about it, okay? Everybody's still like, what? The monarchy said what? The monarchy that was set on colonialism and racism said what? so we thought we're gonna be speaking about that but if you're ready then i'm ready so let's get this party started shall we all right welcome back to the first segment of the podcast is it our first segment It is our first segment. Look, I forget, okay? I haven't done this in a while because, you know, it's COVID and your homegirl doesn't know how to say no to new responsibilities, so she hasn't had time to go back in the closet. But I found some time today and I was like, a lot of shit is going down. People gotta know about it. So... (laughs) Happy Women's Month. On Monday, it was happening. It was International Women's Month. Um, I posted a post, uh, you know, just bringing light to the different women of color that have just done some badass shit in our world. But the whole month is Women's Month. So if you are a woman or you're standing next to a woman, look at them and say, you a badass. Or... If you're a woman, look yourself in the mirror and say, you a badass bitch, okay? Who's that bitch? I'm that bitch, okay? So happy International Women's (laughs) Month, or just Women's Month. Uh, So this segment of the podcast is called, like the sands through the hourglass, so are the days of our lives. Look, uh, so I'm just going to tell you a little bit of things that have been happening. Thankfully... Yo boy got the first part of the vaccine. I will be telling you which vaccine I got. You if you've been listening, you probably know what vaccine I got because I I gave you a clue. I said I got a part of it. So you smart people, you you know it has to be one of the two, one of the I mean two of the three. I mean. So I'm be talking more about the vaccines today for our question of the week, our next segment. But I feel really grateful that I was able to get that vaccine that last Saturday. I didn't feel sick at all. Uh, I just had, like, my brazo, you know, my bracito, it was a little swollen. It, like, hurt. It kind of felt like, you know, when you were young and, like, you used to get on fights and, like, somebody would, like, hit you, like, real hard. Um, And, like, the next day it would, like, hurt? That's the way it, That's the way it hurt. Uh, if you've never been to in, on a fight uh, and you're an adult, maybe don't get on a fight just to, like, Figure out how it works. Ask somebody who used to be in a fight. And they'd be like, oh yeah, you know, you just feel a little sore. But that's about it. Um, But yeah, other than that, you know... You, your girl, she's just thankful that she still has a job. You know, I'm thankful that I've, I'm able to, you know, just do things that I like and be happy, you know? You know, I'm happy like a clown. Even though I don't like clowns. I actually really hate clowns. Clowns are kind of scary as fuck. But usually I tell you a lot of different things that are happening in entertainment world. Pero ahorita... What matters is como lo que empezamos, okay? What we started saying was this, you know, Meghan Markle and Harry, not Harry Styles, Harry the Prince uh, of Sussex, uh, their interview with Oprah. And so there's a couple things that we learned about the interview with Oprah. So I'm going to tell you the 12 important things that we learned during the, uh, the, the special. We learned... That about the Duchess of Sussex was dealing with mental health issues. So her being the very first um, half black or black woman to be part of this royal family, um, the media in you know in your in Britain really like came for her and was was attacking her and was trying to bring her down um, all throughout the time that she actually was there. Um, the only good media that she ever got was the day of her marriage. And so she talked about how at one point she wanted to just end it, girl. She wanted to be like, I'm done here. We done. Bye. Goodbye. Like, thank you so much for, you know, for coming, but we peacing out. Another thing that we learned was some racism allegations that Meghan Marco had. She said, there's a conversation with you. With Harry. About how dark your baby is going to be. <laughs> you know, the little rattlesnakes. That's exactly what happened. So, apparently, someone, um, and, you know, who's part of, like, the monarchy or whatever. Like, the royal family, whatever you want to call it. Not the grandma. Not the grandpa. Asked what the babies would look like. Because they were afraid that they would be dark babies. Because, you know, she's half black. So obviously the baby's going to be part black. So everybody was surprised. Like, oh my God. They said, what? But girl, do you not know that this fucking, like, royal family is like, The reason for all these years, hundreds of years of colonization, of racism, of, you know, us implanting colorism in ourselves because we wanted to be more like the monarchs. When you really look at these motherfuckers, they ugly. These bitches is ugly, okay? Like, Harry might be the cutest one, but also, racism makes you ugly, so... (laughs) <laughs> the, se- the other thing that we learned is apparently the media try to make it seem like there was a feud between the Duchess of Cambridge. So they made it seem like there was a feud between Meghan and her sister-in-law Kate. When in reality, there was no no beef there. I mean, I don't know if they're vegetarians, so maybe there was no broccoli there. <laughs> That was a stupid joke that I'm gonna laugh about later when I listen to myself. <laughs> but apparently, that feud was all made up by the media. We also learned my favorite part of the interview, and you know, Oprah felt like she ate. She was like, Bitch, I ate today when she said, Wait, wait, you ready? You ready? When she said this. You're silent or were you silenced? Girl, when I tell you that Oprah's eyebrows went up when she said... When she did the little hand sign and she said, silenced. She knew she ate. Oprah was like, bitch, I just ate. I ate. Emmy, print, go. (laughs) So apparently she was silenced. She was not allowed to, like, talk to people or tell people what was happening. Also, we learned that Prince Charles, Diana Seth's husband, the motherfucker that cheated on her... um who happens to be Harry's father stop talking to her to his son because uh he's racist we also found out that prince harry and meghan got cut off financially which is why they had to make deals with spotify and all these other companies to be able to like Live and they, that Harry and Meghan were actually living off of uh, Diana's like inheritance. Ooh, we also found out that these motherfuckers got married three days before in Vegas. Okay, and maybe not Vegas, but <laughs> that would have been funny. But they got married three days before their actual big ass wedding. They actually got married before their public ceremony on May nineteenth, two thousand eighteen. So three days. So that means they got married on the sixteenth. Yeah, I'm not good at math, but they got married three days before. We also found out that she's pregnant, and her and and the baby sets at birth is going to be a girl. That's what we're saying now. That's her sets at birth. End of story. Uh, we found out that Megan rarely is able to leave home because you know she was always like silenced. We um. Learned that Harry felt trapped in this cycle of monarchy. Uh, We learned that the Queen is wonderful. She's so great to her, to Megan, and to Harry. They apparently do Zoom calls all the time. We apparently learned that they rescue chickens. I don't even know why that's important. But they apparently live in California now. We don't know where, but if they have chickens, they probably live in Central California. So my ass is going to go... You know, knock at every fucking house in Central California. And be like, Megan, you here, girl? Megan, you here, girl? You trying to fuck someone up? Let's go. Let's go. Let's fuck up. Your 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 brother-in-law, let's fuck him up. <laughs> so, what do you think? What was your favorite part about the interview? My favorite part was definitely when Oprah knew she ate. When she asked, were you silent? Or were you silenced? She ate. Oprah was like, bitch, Emmy, prank, go. <laughs> all right y'all i've talked a lot but you know this segment i really just wanted to talk about the fucking interview so that's what we did all right we're gonna go to our next segment of the podcast the more informational segment our question of the week i'll see you there Welcome to the next segment of the podcast, our question of the week. Today's question is, so which vaccine should I get, yo? <laughs> I was gonna tell you that I was gonna I was gonna let you know, or actually, I told you that I was gonna let you know what vaccine I got. Um, I actually got the Pfizer vaccine. Not that you have a choice. I made the appointment once it was open for someone that has uh, pre conditions, as y'all Remember, if you've been with me for a while, around this time last year, maybe it was earlier this time, I shared with you on the podcast that um, I had a scare where uh, the doctor... My doctor thought that I had cancer. Um, after they did a couple tests, they found out it wasn't cancer, but it it is like a... I don't want to call it a disease. It's a condition where my... Kidneys produce more liquid than it should, and so it overworks my immune system because my immune system gets triggered thinking that my kidneys are failing. I know that sounds weird, but that's what they, they found out. So I've been taking meds for that. Obviously, because it has to do with my immune system, I was con- I've was i been considered high risk throughout this COVID scare. And so now that people who are high risk um, here in the Bay Area are able to get their vaccine, thankfully I was able to get a vaccine. I just made the appointment. I drove up to the drive-thru. Um, they put a shot in my arm. They made me sit in my car for 15 minutes and at peace. The, the worst that you feel is, like, after you get your vaccine, you kind of feel like you kind of, like, well, I drink beer, so it kind of feels like I had, like, a like maybe two IPAs, so you feel a little, like, buzzed. Not drunk. You feel a little buzzed, uh, but apparently that's normal. It's normal to feel a little buzzed. It's normal to, like, your arm to feel sore. And it's apparently also normal, um, if you get sick the day after. Um, but a lot of people have been asking, like, what's the difference be- between the three vaccines? Like, people don't understand it. So, I wanted to give you, uh, a breakdown, um, looking at both numbers, but also looking at, like, the trials and stuff. So, that you're more, you're, you're, better educated about the vaccines than you feel like you are. So there's a lot of misinformation out there about the vaccines. Um, and that's what's really attributing to, like, the inequities of people who are getting vaccinated. So when you look at people who are getting vaccinated, when you look at, like, ethnic ethnicity and race... A, like white people are getting vaccinated vastly at a vastly larger number than people of color are. And we also, I, I also understand that people of color might be a little hesitant to get vaccinated because of the history that this country has with vaccinations and people of color. So, as we know in this country in the past, Um, A lot of uh, clinical trials were done on women of color, uh, specifically black women, specifically women in like uh, Puerto Rico, uh, different people that uh, identify as people of color uh, without their consent. So they were part of these clinical trials, which is why some of this um, mistrust might come from. But also there's a lot of misinformation miseducation happening within our communities of color that are not allowing people to get vaccinated. And I'm going to be very vulnerable and let you know that that misinformation has like hit my own family very closely. My family back home like doesn't want to get vaccinated because they're convinced that the vaccine is like a way for like con- for the government to do like population control they're like really convinced about this and i've tried to talk to them i've tried to give them the the correct information but sometimes when people look shit up on youtube they can go in through this youtube hole of just so much misinformation and this is why it's really important to get your information facts right so i'm gonna fucking tell you where i'm getting my information uh this first information i'm getting from time uh, time.com yes from the time magazine and they compare all three vaccines in the US so so far we have the Pfizer vaccine the Moderna, the Moderna vaccine and the Johnson and Johnson vaccine so the Pfizer so the, I'll, I'll tell you when they like different things about all three of them so they received, the, the date when they received FDA authorization, Pfizer was obviously the first one. They received their authorization on December 11th. Then December 18th, Moderna receives theirs. And most recently, it was Johnson & Johnson on February 27th. Um, the overall efficacy. So Pfizer is 95% Overall efficacy, Moderna is ninety four percent, and Johnson and Johnson is sixty six percent. I should say, I should mention that the flu vaccine is only about forty to fifty percent of like overall efficacy towards the flu. So sixty six percent is actually really great. But people are really, like, attached to that number. Like, oh, I want Pfizer, Moderna, not Johnson & Johnson. Now, I'll read other numbers of why it's important to just get any vaccine. So, against severe disease, the Pfizer vaccine is 75%, um, like, efficacy, like it's efficacy against severe disease. Moderna is actually 100%. And Johnson & Johnson is 85%. Now, the percentage that it lowers hospitalization rate is actually a really important rate because we want to be able to lower those hospitalization rates so that hospitals are actually able to treat folks that, um, you know, have other conditions. So... Pfizer and Johnson and Johnson are 100% against lower, they I mean 100% that they lower hospitalization rate Moderna's only 89% that it lowers deaths so all three vaccines will prevent death 100% from covid and so what's really important to look look for is what is the percentage that it's going to like, save me from dying? What is the percentage that it's going to save me from being hospitalized? And what is the percentage that I'm going to, like, severely be ill? Even though Johnson & Johnson is only 66% overall efficacy, 85% of it will protect you from against severe disease a hundred percent will protect you from lowering hospitalizations and a hundred percent will help you from death and that's really what's important. Now if you want to go more into specifics the trials for both Moderna and Pfizer started on the same date. They started back in 2020 in July and Johnson Johnson actually started in um, September. The trials for Pfizer, they, they, they conducted trials in the U.S., Brazil, Argentina, Turkey, South Africa, and Germany. Moderna only conducted trials in the U.S., and Johnson & Johnson conducted trials in the U.S., South Africa, Brazil, Chile, Argentina, Colombia, Peru, and Mexico. Now, tested against the new variants, that is what a lot of people are like worried about, because there's, like, some new variants that are happening that are in the... Actually, as of yesterday, it was reported that the new variants were found in every single state in the country. And so, the Pfizer vaccine has been tested for the new variants, but in lab studies, uh, from, and, you know, like, <clears throat> and talking to people that are already vaccinated, um and, it has shown that they have been able to neutralize the variants from the UK and South Africa, but antibody, antibody levels generated against the South African variant are lower. Um, the Moderna vaccine, yes, it, it has been tested against it in studies, also from speaking with people that are already vaccinated. It does neutralize variants from the US and South Africa, but again... Antibody levels generated against the South African, the South African variant are six-fold lower. <clears throat> and the Johnson & Johnson was tested against the new variants. And instead of being tested in a lab like the Pfizer and the Moderna one was, they were actually tested in human trials. And the vaccine was 68% effective in, Br- in Brazil and 64% effective against the new variants in South Africa. Now, this is, to, this is why it's important that we just get whichever vaccine we can because all these vaccines were approved by the FDA and the CDC for a reason. This information is really readily available. You just need to be able to know where you're getting your information from and what how to look up things correctly. So I feel like a lot of times our... Like, our parents or, like, our communities of color, like, don't know how to look up, like, information that is accurate because a lot of us that went to college, like, we know what it means to, like, find information that's, like, an opinion or it's not accurate And so helping our parents and our our brothers, our sisters, our communities of colors really get this accurate information, it's just really important. So if this is helping anybody, please share it with anybody else and just ensure them that the most important thing is that we all get vaccinated. I know a lot of people have been asking, why is it two vaccines and not one vaccine? Why is Johnson & Johnson only one, but Pfizer and Moderna are two? Just... Give them examples about other vaccines that you have to take in multiple numbers. The, the last one that I took that I had to take in multiple numbers was the HPV vaccine. Because it's so strong, the HPV vaccine, you have to take it in three different doses. And this is very similar to that. So being able to talk to your community in a way that you can... <clears throat> related to something else that they know it's a way that we're going to be able to get everybody to get vaccinated. And we won't be able to go back to whatever normal is going to look like until at least 70% of the country is vaccinated because that's what's considered herd immunity. So if this is helpful, please share it, even if it's just this piece. Thank you so much, y'all. And I'll see you in the next segment of the podcast. Uh-huh. yeah Alright y'all, welcome to the next segment of the podcast, our POC or Queer Excellence of the Week. And this segment is where we just talk about people who are POC or queer and just doing really great shit in our community or in our country. This being Women's History Month, I really wanted to highlight 36 little known women um, like women that have changed the world, and I will just name a couple few, not maybe not all 36, and then tell you a little bit more about who they are. So, I'm going to start off with Anna Mae Wong. Uh, Wong is considered Hollywood's first Asian American movie star ever. Um, then we have Kalpana Shala. she is became the very first woman of Indian descent to become an astronaut and go to space. We have um, Wilma Mankiller. <laughs> Her last name is really Mankiller, girl. <laughs> Who is le- leading the largest tribe in the United States of the Cherokee Nation. We have Mary Bethune. Mary Bethune was an educator in civil rights Advocate. In 1904, she founded the Daytona Educational and Industrial School for Negro Girls, who is which is now known as Bethune Cookman University. Uh, I bet y'all didn't know about Donyala Luna. Before Naomi Campbell and Tyra Banks, there was Donyala Luna. Uh, Luna is held as the first black supermodel. Um, as she was in British Vogue in March of 1966. We have Athena Gibson, who's an author and tennis star, uh, who became the first Black person person to win the French Championships in 1957. We have Hattie McDaniel, who was the first Black actor to receive an Oscar in 1940 for her portrayal of Mommy in Gone with the Wind. We have Amelia Boyton Robinson, who was the forefront of the civil rights movement in Georgia and Alabama in the sixties. Um, and was there doing bloody Sunday in Selma from Selma to Montgomery. Uh, we also have Maria Elena Salinas. I know y'all know her. <laughs> I grew up with Maria, Maria Selena, Maria Elena Salinas. Uh, who is heralded as the voice of the Hispanic America or Latino America by the New York Times? Maria Elena Salinas is the first Latina to receive a Lifetime Achievement Emmy. Um, we have Mahalia Jackson, a powerhouse singer. Mahalia Jackson is hailed as the Queen of Gospel. Uh, we also have Constance Baker Motley. Uh, Constance Baker Motley has a long list of historic achievements, but in 1964, she became the first African American woman to serve in a New York State Senate. We have Anna Julia Cooper, who is one of, celebrated as one of the most prominent black scholars and feminists of the 19th and 20th centuries. We have um, Hazel Dorothy Scott, the Trinidadian jazz singer trended after Alicia Keys paid homage to Scott's ability to play two pianos at the same time at 2019 Grammy Awards. Uh, We have Florence Griffin Joyner, Through Her Life. Though her life was tragically cut short at the age of 38, Olympic sprinter Florence or Flojo Griffith Joyner's record remains undefeated in the 100 and 200-meter dashes. We have Katherine Johnson, who's no longer a hidden figure. Katherine Johnson's is a famous mathematical computations which were highlighted in the 2016 movie Hidden Figures. Of course, we have Sonia Sotomayor, who became the first Latina Supreme Court justice in U.S. history. Uh, We have Georgia Gilmore. When you hear of Montgomery Blues, buzz boycotts, I mean, the name Rosa Parks and Claudine Colbin probably come to mind. Although Georgia Gilmore didn't refuse to give up her seat, she was a huge part of making boycotts a success as a cook. Um, We have Ibtesia... Haj Muhammad, in 2016, uh, the fencing champion became the first Muslim woman to represent the U.S. at the Olympics. Uh, we also have Ellen Ochoa, which on April 8, 1993, Ellen Ochoa became the first Hispanic woman in the world to go into space aboard the Discovery Channel. Shuttle, I said channel. <laughs> I meant shuttle. We have Patsy Takimoto Mink, The late Hawaiian representative was the first Asian American woman elected to Congress. We have Linda blackman Lurie. At the age of 15, Linda Blackman-Laurie was on a mission to bring about change in the segregated South. She was the youngest person ever to take part in the Selma Voting Rights March of 1965. We have Wilma Rudolph. As a child, Wilma Rudolph suffered from a polio and scarlet fever. Despite being told she would be able to walk, she would go on to become one of the world's fastest women. In 1960 Summer Olympics, she won three gold medals, becoming the first African, the first American woman and first African-American woman to win three medals in track and field in the same Olympic Games. We have Ray Montag. Um, Ray Montag was credited with revolutionizing the way the Navy ships, ships are designed by developing a computer program that creates rough drafts of ship specifications. Yes, them! We have Raven Wilkinson. Today, we praise Misty Copeland as the first African-American woman principal dancer in American Ballet Theater Company, but actually, Raven Wilkinson set the groundwork for Black ballerinas when she became the first, actually. And of course, we have Sylvia Rivera, along with Marsha P. Johnson. Sylvia Rivera, a Venezuelan-Puerto Rican trans woman, was one of the original LGBTQ activists. She launched the Street Transvestite Action Revolutionaries, or STAR, organization in 1970, which provided shelter for trans youth living in New York. We have Mildred Loving. We love an epic love story, especially when it it results in much-needed change. Thanks to Mildred and Richard Loving, an interracial couple whose historic Supreme Court case helped erase segregation laws in the U.S. as it pertains to couples, we have Elena Ross Haitian, was the first Latina to serve in the Florida House, the Florida Senate, and the U.S. House of Representatives. And of course, Marsha P. Johnson, the Black trans woman who threw the very first brick and started a revolution at Stonewall. So all those women of color are our POC and Queer Excellence of the Week. And not just today or this month, I want to remind you to celebrate women every day. And I'll see you at the next segment of our podcast. Welcome to the next segment of the podcast, Today in the Country. In that segment, we talk about everything that's happening in the country that might pertain to you, me, or anybody else that cares. So we're going to start off with a couple states deciding that despite COVID plateauing and not actually going down, it's just staying the same for the last couple weeks and not a whole month, um, they are Rescinding their COVID safety protocols. So, Texas and Mississippi announced on Tuesday, last Tuesday, that they will rescind virtually all of their COVID 19 restrictions, lifting mask mandates and allowing businesses to open at full capacity. Texas Governor Greg Avid tweeted, Texas is open 100% starting next week. This, despite Texas having one of the lowest vaccination rates in the country, and Texas also just you know recovering from a freeze over. Um, I did not talk about this in the podcast, but Texas froze over. Remember when Ted Cruz said, I will believe that global warming is real when Texas freezes over. Bitch, Texas froze over and lost all power and water. It was cray-cray. People out there fucking, they were dying because they were turning on their car engines in the middle of the night to stay warm with their families. They were turning on their gas stoves to warm up the house, and they were dying of carbon monoxide poisoning. Girl, it was, it was a shit show, okay? So, despite all that, Texas still decided to open Arizona and West Virginia also ended capacity limits for restaurants and other businesses on Friday, but social distancing measures and mask mandates will remain in place in Arizona. Um, Con- Connecticut Governor Ned Lamont became one of the first Democrats lifting many of its state's COVID-19 restrictions on Thursday, last Thursday, I should say, promising to eliminate capacity limits on restaurants, stores, gyms, and other businesses starting in two weeks. And... Last Monday, Massachusetts lifted its capacity limits for indoor dining, and South Carolina and Virginia eased their mandatory last-call curfews for bars and restaurants, decisions of all three state governors announced last week. Now we go over to Virginia, Wyoming, South Carolina, and Pennsylvania. They all also lose their restrictions of gathering sizes starting, actually, This past Monday and Louisiana, Kentucky and Michigan and all other cities and states made more granular changes this week, including easing capacity restrictions on restaurants. Even though U.S. coronavirus cases and deaths did plummet last month after peaking in January, like I said, we are plateauing and our vaccine distribution is not at where we were hoping it would be by this time. Biden did say, President Biden did say that he's hoping that by May, anyone who wants a vaccine can get a vaccine. But he also said when he started that, you know, by the end of his first month, we were going to be vaccinating 1 million people a day. And that is certainly not happening. So girl, what? I feel like Oprah, what? They said, what? I'm sorry, who was talking about that? <laughs> um, the next thing we're going to talk about is, like I mentioned before, the COVID vaccine has seen a lot of inequities in the U.S. as it pertains to racial inequities. Um, Latino and Black Americans continue to be vaccinated against COVID at the lowest rate despite any all political promises that they would address these inequities. So, the new analysis reveal that only 4.6% of Latinos in the U.S. and 5.7% of Black Americans have so far received a vaccine dose, compared to about 13% of White Americans and 10% of Asian Americans, according to a study by APM Research Lab. Um, Pacific Islanders have the highest inoculation rate, according to whatever limited data is available, with 16%. So about one in six already have received at least one dose. So far, as it pertains to states, Maryland has vaccinated about 44% of its population, being the highest to report of any community in any state. The second highest rate is among indigenous Americans, which thankfully are being vaccinated at an 11% rate, um, have at least received one vaccine. Despite some progress, the available state health data clearly suggests that access to COVID vaccines, just like testing and economic aid, is disproportionately low for Latino and Black Americans, the two largest minority communities in the U.S., the consequences of an in, inequitable vaccine rollout are bad for public health as pockets of high transmission could set back efforts to control the pandemic. According to doctors the infectious, and defect, infectious disease specialists, um, it's not just about equity. Even if we want to be selfish, it doesn't make sense as well continue to see high transmission hotspots across the country. And that's where new variants will emerge. Um, So overall, new COVID cases and hospitalizations and deaths are falling, like I said. But more than a half a million Americans have already died. It's about 525,000 the last time I checked. And like I said before, new variants are emerging. And localized outbreaks are still occurring across the country. The pace of the vaccine distribution has picked up since Joe Biden took office, and about 1.6 million doses are now being administered—not um, per day, but at, like at least, you know, in, in every every couple of days, according to the CDC but data still remains patchy and overall Pennsylvania is one of the worst performing states having vaccinated only 1% of latinos and 1% of black residents the vaccination rate of white pennsylvanians is also 3 times the national average i mean there's i mean i'm honestly not surprised like Like I mentioned before, it's the misinformation of our communities, but it's also the lack of access that communities of color have to these vaccinations. Everything is done virtually, and for the most part, people of color don't know how to set appointments virtually, especially our older folks of color, or they just don't trust it because Univision says so. Uh, we're gonna move on to another thing that's impeding folks from voicing their opinion. Uh, Georgia introduced a, a bill that is going to make it even harder to for people to vote. So Georgia's state Senate on Monday passed an election bill that would refuse, ref, repeal no excuse absentee voting, among other sweeping changes in critical in this critical swing state. The legislation, which has been championed by Republican lawmakers, passed to a 29-20 to vote. It now heads to the Georgia House of Representatives, where it's expected to pass in the coming weeks. Under this new bill, voters would need to be 65 years or older, um, absent from their precinct, over-serving a religious holiday, be required to provide constant care for somebody with physical disability, or required to work for the protection of the health, life, or safety of the public during the entire time that the polls are open, or be an overseas or military voter to qualify for an absentee ballot. The bill aims to undo a 2005 Republican-backed law allowing no excuse absentee voting. The bill comes as Georgia has become ground zero for election law changes in the wake of the 2020 election. Republicans in the state are citing baseless allegation of voter fraud. of voter fraud pushed the former president D.J.T. and other GOP officials to lose, and so they're trying to roll back access to mail-in voting and early voting um, around the state as well as absentee ballots. Which basically means they're trying to make it harder for fucking black people to vote. I'm gonna say I'm gonna call it what it is. Just like, historically, states like Mississippi and other surrounding states that are usually, you know, where the Confederate sat and has been plagued by white supremacy, Georgia's just turned blue because of all the work that black women and Stacey Abrams did, and now the Republicans in Georgia are trying to fucking make it harder for black people to vote. Let's call it what it is. And finally... George Floyd's murderer starts on goes on trial this week. So Derek Chauvin, the former Minneapolis police officer who was seen about a year ago in the disturbing video where he killed George Floyd, um, is due for his uh court appearance this month. So jury selection was scheduled on Monday. This past Monday that happened. Unfortunately, they had to halt that because they have to be very clear um, as to who will be in the jury. They want the jurors to be impartial. So they are asking questions about whether they support Blue Lives Matter or where they where they they think they should we should defund the police that they attend a BLM protest. So, in Minneapolis, it's going to be rather hard to find somebody who didn't attend. Opening statements are scheduled to happen on March 29th. Trial proceedings will span another two to four weeks, after which the jury will launch into deliberations for the, in, for, God knows how much time. The process is expected to be completed by mid to late April. If Chauvin is convicted, a sentencing hearing will be scheduled for the later date. Chávez will, though, have a right to appeal. So far, he has said that he is not guilty. Uh, but, bitch, we all saw the video. Yo ass is guilty. With that, we're going to go to our next segment of the podcast, Hoy en el Mundo. I'll see you there. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, welcome to the next segment of the podcast, Hoy en el Mundo because not everything's about the U.S. so we get to talk about shit that's happening around the world Uh, we're gonna get in a little plane and go over to Mexico where violent clashes as women fight femicide have continued so police and activists have clashed in Mexico City in Ciudad Mexico or Mexico City at a march that marks International Women's Day Uh, officers forced back protesters with tear gas and riot shields in the capital main square known as El Zócalo, protesters were calling for the government to address the country's poor record on the murder of women, often referred as femicide, and gender bias violence. Government figures suggest that at least 939 women were victims of femicide or murder in 2020. Thousands of women, some with their daughters, attended the march and. In la capital de Mexico, in the Mexican capital on Monday on International Women's Day. One girl was seen carrying a sign that said, they haven't killed me, but I live in fear. No me han matado a mí, pero vivo en en miedo. You see, I know know how to translate. Um, At one point, some members of the crowd managed to pull down some of the large metal fencing around the National Plaza, or La Plaza Nacional, using hammers and wooden poles. Authorities erected the barrier ahead of the march. Women's groups then covered the whole wall with names of femicide victims. Some riot officers used their shields to block the protesters from entering La Plaza Nacional. Local paper El Universidad said demonstrators set fire to the shields of some of the police officers. But the flames were unfortunately extinguished. Police used tear gas and batons to help disperse the crowd. At least 15 officers and four members of the public were injured, according to local media. Clashes between women's rights campaigns and police are becoming more and more common in La Ciudad de Mexico. They have accused President Andrés Manuel Lopez Obrador of ignoring the problem of violence against women last year lopez obrador claimed the issue of femicides had been manipulated by critics of his administration but last november there was outreach across the country after police in the breach and the beach sword of cancun fired shots during a protest against killing women where two women were injured by bullets and two protesters were killed so now we go from one violent clash in Mexico City to another violent crash across the country in Miranmar, where demonstrators in Miranmar, which is the biggest city, came out on Monday night for the first mass protest in defiance of the 8 p.m. curfew, seeking to show support for an estimated 200 students trapped by security forces in a small area of the neighborhood. Students and other civilians earlier took part in one of the many daily protests across the country against the military seize of power last month that ousted the elected government of Aung San Suu Kyi. So, just to let you know a little bit about what's happening in Myanmar, the people elected Aung San Suu Kyi, a woman, to be their leader Um, And a couple months after the election, the military actually took over, and so they basically, you know, were successful in creating a coup, a military coup, and removing uh, Aung San Suu Kyi from office, and in turns, like, getting rid of democracy in Myanmar and has taken over as the military and have been killing protesters since this happened about a month ago. The military government also placed major curves on media coverage of the crisis and announced that the licenses of five local media outlets were canceled. The media companies are no longer allowed to broadcast or write or give information using any kind of media platform. And all five have been offered extensive coverage of the protests, often live streaming videos online, are now no longer able to do so. What people have said is that they worry for the safety of their reporters and their staff, but in the current uprising, the whole country has become citizens journalists, and there's no way for military authorities to shut down information unless they cut all, like, I guess, like, people from using their phones and stuff. So let's see what happens in Miramar. On more better news, uh, Pope Francis arrived in Iraq last weekend for his first ever visit to Iraq, which made it a historic visit. So Pope Francis arrived in Baghdad Friday for the three-day visit to Iraq, where he uttered suggestions of his trip might fuel a surge of coronavirus cases, even though he wanted to visit, making it the first trip for any pope um to be able to visit the dying uh, and fading christian community in the middle east um but he did it with that we're gonna move on to my favorite segment of the podcast i talked some tea i definitely told you some truths and now it's time to talk some shit i'll see you there back to my favorite segment of the podcast where we talk some shit. Our very first person on our list is Senator Ted Cruz. Girl, if we can trade him for somebody, Caucasians, if we can trade Ted Cruz for somebody, can we please choose? I would like to trade for Ellen Pompeo. If we can trade Ellen Pompeo for Ted Cruz, y'all can have this piece of garbage. Please, please take him. Like, like, let's take him. Like, I don't know who's having that conversation, but... Uh, who is having that conversation? Somebody should be having that conversation. That's all I gotta say. Uh, <laughs> because fuck Ted Cruz, who... If y'all did not hear, this bitch literally left to fucking Mexico when Texas froze over. If y'all have not heard that, y'all are probably living under a rock. It's cool. I'm here to tell you... Ted Cruz as basura. Trash. I'm going to say he's trash. Not in Spanish, because we're trying to trade him in, okay? Also, fuck Greg Avid. P- people in Texas really be fucking up. Tets- fucking Greg Avid is the governor of Texas who decided that uh, he was going to just take all COVID restrictions and open Texas 100%. What? Exactly, Oprah. What? What, what, what did he do? So for that, I'm going to say, fuck you, Greg Abbott. You can go rot. I also really want to say fuck you to all the states that think that uh, COVID is not real. So fuck you, Texas, Mississippi, Iowa, Montana, North Dakota, Alaska, Arizona, Florida, Georgia, Idaho, Missouri, Nebraska, Oklahoma, South Carolina, South Dakota, and Tennessee, who have either removed um their mask mandates, never had a mask mandate, or are just trying to open their their states 100%. Um, excuse it, 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 me, Gavin Newsom, can we restrict all these motherfuckers from coming to California? Cause like we don't want them here. No. <laughs> Also, fuck Pierce Morgan. Uh, so if y'all don't know, Pierce Morgan is uh, this British man who is almost like Simon Cowell. He was famous for, like, being a troll, basically, and talking shit about people. And for the last, like, Four years, he's done nothing but talk shit about Meghan Markle. Apparently, the story is that this bitch, this ugly-ass white man, look him up, he ugly-ass fuck. Okay, I'm sorry, but está feo way we. el way está bien feo. Pero los blancos they rarely cute. Um, I'm just saying, but apparently. The story is that Meghan Markle, when she was in Great Britain, went on a date with Pierce Morgan and then never called him back because he ugly, and apparently, like, a week or so later, she met Prince Harry, and then we know how that ended. So once they got married, all Prince... All fucking Piers Morgan has done is talk shit about Meghan Markle time and time again because his little fucking ego was hurt, And finally, today, one of his co-hosts of Good Morning Britain, the show that he's on, called out his bullshit, and this little bitch, fragile-ass little bitch, walked off, literally got off, and walked away. Apparently, in the last couple hours, he's been let go. Goodbye, Pierce Morgan. No longer on Good Morning Britain. So... (laughs) Megan and Harry not only taking over the... I mean, bringing the monarchy down, but, bitch, bringing Pierce Borgen down. Talking about people that need to be bring down. Also, fuck anybody who was at CPAC. Like, if you did not know, CPAC is like the conservative... something action conference conservative people of america conference something like that uh basically it's become like uh i love djt conference they even had like a golden statue of djt that people were like praying on i kid you now there's pictures of people literally praying on the fucking golden statue bitch what so fuck anybody that was at cpac and finally fuck the royal family like i said before Y'all were really surprised the fucking royal family that was built on colonization and racism and exclusion of any other p- people there. It's not white people was gonna give a fuck about Meghan Markle and her half-white, half-black baby. Well, actually, he's more like a quarter-black, but we ain't gonna do the math, okay? We're just gonna say baby is a person of color, or at least part person of color. But whatever... Fuck the royal family. Because even before Archie was born, they decided that they were not gonna give him a title and or they were not gonna offer security. But you best believe that Kate's children do have titles and do have security. So you can't sit here and tell me it has nothing to do with the color of their motherfucking skin. Okay? But also, ain't nobody fucking surprised I'm just happy more people are fucking realizing that this world set on colonization ain't the shit. So my final bonus wings, we're gonna go to Atlanta, Georgia, where if you have been watching the Housewives of Atlanta, you know the Bolo changed our lives. If you have not been watching the Housewives of Atlanta, just go ahead and Google it or YouTube it. Real Housewives of Atlanta, Bolo, B-O-L-O, Girl, you welcome. Because, you know, I researched Bolo after. And, girl, I was left with no sauce. I got real thirsty real fast. <laughs> <laughs> That's it for my final bonus please. I can't do it anymore. It's been 55 minutes that I've had you here. Thank you so much. For those of you that are... New to the podcast, thank you for listening. For those of you that are returning, los quiero. Muchas gracias por venir and for listening to me. I appreciate y'all so much. I know I have not been consistent, but bitch, ain't nothing been consistent during the COVID pandemic, okay? But we're going to try harder because like Aaliyah said, if at first you don't succeed, you got to get up and try again. And that's what we're going to do. Once again, this is It's Just a Top Podcast. My name is Mauricio. I'm your host. And I'm everything I am because the hood loved me. Bye.